This week's episode of This Is Only a Test is brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA. Do you think it's okay to drive stoned? The truth is, reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you'll drive different. Learn more at NHTSA.gov. That's N-H-T-S-A dot gov. Drive high, get a DUI. Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, August 30th, 2018. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the only the official podcast of Tested.com. <laughs> How are you doing this week? Hi, Norm. I'm doing well. I'm doing great. Mm. I'm glad you guys are doing great because I've been suffering from an awful, awful cough. A terrible Wait. cough. Mm. Little, the sure norm I know doesn't get sick. I know. Exactly. So it's just something is growing in my lungs. It's, um, it's clogging up my drains. Mm. And it's not been pleasant. How many coughs are you anticipating this podcast? Uh, hopefully not many because, um, I have a bottle of water. Hey, hey guys. Also, uh, when we leave this room, we got to make sure the LEDs are turned off. Yeah. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a sign on the wall. There's a sign on the wall now for the, when the door is closed. You know what? We don't see that sign when we close the door and when we're leaving the room. It needs to be closed to see it. And then the door's open when we leave. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, that's, prob- Ooh, that's problematic there. Uh, also it's uh Ripley's second birthday. Happy birthday Aww, to my little dog. That's great. That's what are you great. doing to celebrate? Um, I got her a 22-pound bag of food so she can survive and keep on living. I feel like that's a pretty great present. Uh, and then I also picked up two plush toys, uh, one the shape of a duck that she killed already, mm. dismembered. Good for her. And another, uh, a, I thought this was the most clever dog toy I've seen in a while, Two halves of an avocado mm. in which the avocado seed is a tennis ball. <laughs> okay. All right. She's already destroyed them. I can't wait to see how your relationship with your dog changes once the baby arrives. What do you mean? How's that I'm, supposed to change? You know, people who don't have babies yeah. think their pets are their babies. Yes. But then once the baby arrives. What if I like the dog more than the baby? Oh, wow. See, the only problem with saying that is that this has been recorded. <laughs> I'm just. So I'm, I, used I, I have you. no idea. I'm not. I'm not the phase yet. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm open to ideas. I appreciate that you're open minded about this. Very open minded about it. You millennials. <laughs> it's all about that skin on skin contact for bonding. <laughs> Things I'm learning through classes. Um, we're gonna hit four million subscribers this week. I I kind of can't believe it. That mm-hmm. seems. Like an insane number of people, yeah, that are sub to this N- not, just to watch me and Jeremy right. talk every the, the, week. This podcast, right? This podcast is for no. It's uh, our our tested YouTube channel has going to hit four million subscribers. We're super. Could easy. you ever imagine that? Like rewinding the no. clock to when oh, you no. and Will started this um, no. in the basement? Not at all. When we hit one million, we we're freaking out. How long did it take you to hit one million? Oh, it must have been 
five years. I mean, or so was, four four years maybe. Four was years? there a YouTube channel before you and Will started tested? Was a, 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 a yeah. YouTube existed? No, but <laughs> I mean, was there a tested channel at um, at over there at that company? What, what you mean before we start working with Adam? No, I mean when you no, were doing tested no, before Adam. No, we didn't have a YouTube channel. I, I guess we had the rights to it, and uh, Will huh. um, claim the handle or. I think that's what, what happened. Huh. But we didn't start putting videos on the channel until 2012. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So it's been six years. Oh, wow. I didn't realize you weren't doing that when you were with Giant Bum. No. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it took a while to get to five, uh, to one million, oh, and yeah. then it, it ramped up? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, it's a steady growth, and there are some you know peaks and valleys, and it's, it's sometimes it's cyclical. And we've been very lucky enough to have some videos do very well. And um, mm-hmm. it's it's just one one metric of success uh, for YouTube, but a lot of people seem to um, put a lot of weight on it, and it's obviously a big number. So we're very very happy. Well, you know, we're forty percent the way to a what is it a diamond? Is that what you get at ten million? A platinum, get, diamond, some some one of those things. I, well, I don't think. And then you have that. to like cut it open, right? That's yes. what people do with yeah, those. yeah, or lick it, or you know, do, do some other funky thing with it. Test it. That's what we we'll do. Where are you off to tomorrow? I'm headed to Atlanta uh, bright and early tomorrow morning for four days of blurred con awesomeness. This is the highlight of your year. This is oh, your, I love Dragon Con. This is your Pinberg. Uh, yeah, except uh, I probably won't place eighth in anything <laughs> at, at this. Uh, I'm super hyped about Dragon Con. I'm on six panels, I think, six, six wow. or seven, something like that. Uh, I think the the two highlights that I that I'm on uh, are I'm doing a science panel with the cast of The Expanse, mm. where we're going to uh, just watch video clips, and I guess they're going to be like, "Hey, scientist, what do you think?" Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, "Yeah, I like this show." It'll be I think nice. that's going to be amazing. Mm. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. You guys like The Expanse? You guys like science? Woo. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, and then I'm on a panel called uh, "Does It Fart," uh, where we review. Oh. Oh. Is that like a two a.m. panel? I believe it's a four p.m. Actually, I'm on I'm on like a, a lot of weird panels. I'm I'm on one uh, about giving uh, fictional Nobel prizes to to different characters. Nice. Uh, do, bo- do both mammals and um, amphibians uh, fart? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it depends on your definition of a fart, but if it's generally any sort of gaseous release uh, from an orifice opposite the mouth, then yes. Huh. All right. Uh, I'm glad you're defining your terms. Yeah, and and there's actually a number of fish that use uh, farts to control their buoyancy. Wow. Wow. All right. (laughs) Is this going to be a plot point of Aquaman? Uh, There's a book called Does It Fart Out um, that details this. I hope so. I hope they do use it. I mean, it's it's a great scientific uh, fact, but it's it's only the pup fish that tends to use it, which Mm -hmm. are pretty small. It would not be an impressive fish for Aquaman to summon. Like a submarine. Yeah, exactly. I'm also doing six cosplays. I'll be joining the Fast Food Avengers. Oh my gosh! On is Saturday this a spoiler? morning. I mean, it's, it's a spoiler for all those tested fans that won't be there at DragonCon. But if you uh, always, some tested fans come up and say hi. I love it. Um, uh, please mm-hmm. do so again. I'll be roving the halls. Uh, I'm also registering people to vote with yes. uh, with a, a group called Nerds Vote. That's part of. Uh, headcount, which I'm excited about. And then there's a bunch of stuff that I'm really just excited to to go to as a fan. 
uh, when like an hour after I land, I'm going to a, a history of the Mad Titan panel. And you can imagine that I'm going to walk in there with a big grin on my face. Jeremy, the it's Mad so Titan is Thanos. I wondered. <laughs> Are you bringing your gauntlet? Uh, I'm not. Only because I haven't had time to finish the electronics. I would, I mean, I don't want to work for TSA, but I would be so curious to stand behind the x-ray uh, machines <laughs> at, at, at Atlanta yeah. for, as Dragon Con attendees are arriving and getting their things scanned. It, it's such a mess. And because my wife is going with me this time, so we have like double the costumes and stuff. I mean, I have one suitcase that is a giant cheeseburger head. Yeah. Uh, and so I have no idea what they see on a X-ray scan of that suitcase. Just but, the eyes, but they <laughs> just the eyes looking, staring back at them. Help me directly into their soul. Uh, anyways, I, I think it'll be awesome. I'm gonna try to take photos and maybe put up a gallery if I can kind of get my act together. Have yeah. fun. Don't worry about that stuff. Six cosplay. So Mayor McCheese. One to two of them. If you have variants, there'll be there'll be two Mayor McCheese uh, variants. And then any, any hints as to the other four? Oh, I'll just tell you. Um, I'm doing a BoJack Horseman um, with my wife. She's going as Princess Carolyn. Uh, and then I'm uh, doing a Star Trek casual. Uh, I have my... Which, how casual? Kirk casual? No, I'm going... I, I have my Cisco outfit, and ah. my wife has a Kira outfit, mm-hmm. so we're going... Does, we call it casual because it's easy to put on. Sure, yes. Does, yes. Is that a, a word that they use in, in the cosplay parlance? The casual? Casual cosplay. Easy that, easy to walk around. Adam's yeah. used it before. Okay. Just yeah. like the, the comfortable. A lot of people design their creative cosplays to be the, the loungewear version, the yeah. pajama version, mm-hmm. because these parties go go late, so mm-hmm. it's the same fabric or some of the just different patterns and to, to make it look like what the characters would wear. Mm-hmm. When having a you know a, a Manhattan, right? <laughs> I'm part of the uh, group, the Simpsons group called the Stonecutters. Oh, where yes. we have our initiation on Saturday night, and we walk around and sing songs. And mm-hmm. then uh, I'm also uh, don't give away the secrets of the. Fraternity. And then I have one matchup that's really ridiculous. I'll be curious what that group thinks of Renaissance or whatever the new show is on Netflix. You know, Disenchantment. Disenchantment. That's oh, it. Gosh, that's it. <laughs> what it wasn't that bad? That was not very close. <laughs> <laughs> Those words share just only a couple letters in common. Are they a similar number of syllables? Anyway, I'll be curious what that group thinks. No, I think they're they're more into the stone cutting of it all. <laughs> uh, well, have fun, Kishore. Be safe out there. Um, and uh, if you uh, if you listeners out there, any of you are going to Dragon Con, please tweet us your pictures because we're really bummed. I'm really bummed. I can't, I can't be there this year. Yeah, and I'm going to chase down. Uh, usually Bill Duran and I chase down each other at some point. So we'll be walking around. Bill does a good like walk around and point out the um, the uh, the techniques that went into crafting a lot of the cosplays out there. So it's a lot of fun to walk around. Oh, with Bill. Is, is he kind of like a... Uh, like a wildlife observer or like a naturalist, like I, I does, want. Does he do the voiceover? I want to like call the, him the, the James Gunn of cosplay, but I don't think he likes no. that. Mm. But uh, like the Richard Attenborough does like, and, and there's the the stone cutter group. Oh, that is definitely foam mat cosplay taken to the extreme with some incredible barging at the scene. Here we see a young cosplayer on his fourth costume. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant idea. I think you should make that video. <laughs> just film, 
no, you you need to get a lot of releases signed. As, as though it were a nature film. Yeah, nature documentary. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as Danica would say, be a credit to your field. Oh, okay. Don't <laughs> don't shame us. Fair enough. The one cosplay I've heard of that I really want to see is someone is doing Thanos Hands of Fate, like Manos Hands of Fate, the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. The Rift Tracks thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they've done it. Yeah. That's, I want. I, I have no idea what to expect. That's a weird crossover. And then there's uh, obviously some incredible cosplays posted um, already. Uh, to uh, there, I think there's a Ghost Rider coming with that that actually has like uh, flames and uh, smoke oh, that I comes out of the, that helmet. The, the '90s PBS show Ghost Rider. No, sorry. Are we going straight into pop culture? Let's go straight into pop culture. Uh, a lot of pop culture news this week is about, well, our favorite one of our favorite topics, streaming services. Yep. Streaming, streaming services. How many new ones are there? Have there popped up since last week? Probably another eight or ten. Yeah. So- sounds about right. Um, Variety did a really long, deep dive into, well, they called it the race to catch Netflix. And it was an a interview with a lot of these executives who would create streaming, your new video-on-demand streaming services to go direct consumers, cut out the middlemen, cut out the the uh, big telecoms, and sell you uh, video services. It's badass artwork they did. They got like three F1 racing cars, one Disney-branded, oh, one okay. AT&T, I don't know, one NBC, and they're all racing to your house. Oh. Yeah. To cut the cord. Uh-huh. Yeah, like well, it. you need the data cord or the Wi-Fi cord, whatever, whatever that is. Um, and uh, some of the interesting tidbits that came out of it was, well, Disney's streaming service, uh, which is a big part of their, their business uh, in, in the future. They've already announced that they're going to do exclusive Star Wars shows for it. They're going to really leverage all those brands that they own. Uh, what they won't do is they're not going to be taking away the existing contracts they have with Netflix because they get paid a ton of money for those. So right now, Disney gets paid $300 million a year for the rights to stream Disney and Marvel um, and movies and, st- and Star Wars. But as we talked about in a few weeks past, uh, the next Marvel film, Captain Marvel, will be the first film not on Netflix and will be, for going forward, will be solely on Disney's streaming platform. Mm-hmm. So they know there's a content disparity. They know it's very competitive. And one of the interesting tidbits is the cost, they say, will be cheaper than Netflix. Cheaper than Netflix is, what is it, 8 to $14 on Netflix charges right now? So if it's $5 a month, seems like kind of a no-brainer for a lot of that stuff. I'd kind of expect that. Wouldn't you expect that? There's less content, and it's, it's more narrow. Well, what is like CBS All Access? How much is that per month? I don't know. I think that's the point. For a lot of people, once they are bought into these subscription services, and they're subscribed to many, HBO, um, Netflix, Hulu, um, you know, uh, 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 Filmstruck and, and all the other ones, you kind of lose track of how much these things cost per month. You assume they're around that eight to ten dollars a month, mm-hmm. um, and it's really about that initial buy-in. So maybe it's like start off at five dollars a month to get people on, on board. They need a ton of people to sign up initially, and then grandfather them in on that price, and then have it bumped up to eight dollars yeah. a month 
once they fill, build out their library. But they need like 40 million subscribers to make that business viable, according to the Variety article. Well, Netflix does this tiering thing, right, based on how many simultaneous streams you want. And, and quality. And 4K or not. Yeah. Do you expect Disney to do the same thing? I, that's a, that may be a tech-based decision. And this moves in the to funky net neutrality territory. I'm sure Disney would like to tiered eventually, but I think they want something, a simple message going uh, to, to launch mm. because the landscape is catching up with Netflix. It's There are other options and people know about them and people are going to be confused because a lot of that Disney stuff is, all, is currently on Netflix and currently on Hulu. They're TV shows, so this has to feel something different. Oh, do you think there needs to be a, a period of pain where there's nothing Disney on Netflix and then the Disney service comes around. Maybe if they, they launch, can't, they can't do that. Though. Maybe if they launch simultaneously with the switchover, there'll be confusion, as you say. I think that's the problem. I think then, then that's something they have to do because of their, they're not going to turn down the three hundred million, right? That they're getting annually, and yeah. those contracts still exist. So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm more curious about the content lineup, especially since they still have their Disney shows, like that that new uh, animated show we talked about last week is is not on the service. So they have to launch with like a flagship show or a series of shows. What do you mean it's not on the service? Like uh, the uh, it, it's not exclusive to the service. Like the 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 uh, what was it called Resistance? Yeah, that show is on cable. Is it? It's Disney XD. It's not streaming. Oh, yeah, it's not exclusive to streaming. It's not their Star Trek Discovery. Huh. And they know Star Wars a stronger brand than Star Trek. If they have the equivalent of that and put money onto a Star Wars live action show. I think that'd be enough to get a lot of people to pay $5 a month. So how many of these are you willing to sign up for overall? In, in addition? Terms of stream, no, just total number of streaming things. I think it's a dollar value. Okay. Right? What's your dollar value then? $50. Okay. So you can get somewhere between like four. Four. I think four is, four is my number. So and, what and, are the, and, your four? And here's the problem. Do I count Amazon Prime in that? No. Right, and that's Amazon Amazon's Prime. trick. That's yeah. how Amazon got you because they don't, they don't. People don't consider that because they think they're paying just for Prime, but you're not. It's you have the service that you opt, that you're forcibly opted into. Yeah, the Prime I don't streaming count that. service. Have you cut the cable? Have you I cut, have the, cut cord? the cable? Okay, yeah. it was painless. So, yeah. Well, semi painless. Sports? In, uh, no, no. In terms of how how com, how difficult Comcast became. Oh, because I think uh, these services are a lot harder of a sell. If you're still paying for cable, oh yeah, and that's how I did the math. Like, what I, what was I paying for cable beforehand? About a hundred bucks a month, right? For everything. Now I'm paying for these things plus something like a, uh, a YouTube TV or a Philo. So what do you? What What are your four? Netflix, HBO. So that's already about half, more than mm-hmm. half of your budget, and you're doing the 4K Netflix, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Filmstruck, that's annual fee. A hundred dollars a year, and then I think my fourth one right now. I don't pay for Hulu. I think those are the only ones I pay for right now. Yeah, and well, so I have room for like one more. Is Captain Picard <laughs> going to? I know. You? Do I have to choose between Disney and, and and CBS All Access? No, you raised your limit to sixty. Oh, that's what they want. <laughs> this is what they want. Uh, also, in that variety story, well worth reading. They talk about how some of these existing services like HBO need to have their models or or having have have orders from high up from their new bosses, AT&T, to, uh, to, have, to, to have their programming change. Right now, HBO, it's pricey. It's premium. It's a premium service. I'm paying $15 a month, but I'm watching things, and they know this, watching things, it's like a once-a-week type of thing. 
like they own Sunday night. That's why I, that's why I watch HBO. Not really tuning in, in HBO every night to to watch their movie library or their documentaries. It's like Saturday or Sunday night is HBO night. They need HBO and they want HBO without somehow diluting the quality to be a regular night thing. To be people mm-hmm. on their mobile phones flipping up and loading HBO app like they would a YouTube or a Netflix. Part of this is their own making. Like they made it like Saturday night, watch a movie on HBO. Sunday night, watch the best stuff on television. Yeah, and, and, and their tagline, it's not TV, it's HBO. Well, that not only speaks to the quality that they were going for, but also ended up being the behavior they were going for. It became like more theatrical experience, like movie night. Yeah, so I I wonder, you know what I actually hope for from some of these things is we've been conditioned to half hour for comedies, hour for dramas, and everything is still in that frame. So like every show we watch is, you know, in a drama category is typically like 40 to 50 minutes. Why? Like now that we're in streaming and there's no ads on these things, why can't they be whatever length they need to be? Don't you think they still sort of adhere to those lengths? They do. To leave the possibility of being syndicated, syndicated. open. And yeah, overseas. Aren't, isn't that over? No, I, I, I think mean, especially for like a Netflix original. Why are they doing it? Well, Netflix originals can mean all sorts of things. If they're well, wholly I mean, Netflix originals. And yeah. like HBO shows have, have done that. You see uh, in, even in Game of Thrones, True Detective, which there is now a new teaser, uh, the episode lengths vary. They can be 50 minutes. They can be an hour and a half. And really it's whatever the story needs. Uh, but for something like we've talked about this for Star Trek Discovery, because CBS All Access is just uh, national, yeah. then overseas they have to build in those what feels like commercial breaks. Even the format, the commercial break format changes the tone of the writing. I don't know. I think there is something to that. I mean, that I thought that was the brilliance of Adult Swim as they upended like it, you have to fill a half hour. Yeah. And right. that's when and some like, of those, sometimes 10 to 15 minutes is enough. And those t- those formats are the best that get can get syndicated on if you can call it syndication repurposed online for for places like YouTube on other platforms. Um, other streaming service news: uh, we haven't even talked about Apple streaming service. This is kind of the big like mystery. Is this going to be a flop? Like we've, we're very excited. They've no hired, content on there that I want. There's there's well they hired you know Charlie Day um in the creative team behind it's always sunny time. also new it's always sunny season 13 i'm curious about time bandits time bandits and now they also have the asimov foundation series uh, the, the book series that they Heady. optioned um hard sci-fi uh for some type of show now just because they've bought the rights doesn't mean it's going to happen um and I can't imagine that they are going to debut with all these things. This feels like a staggering out um, with lots of prestige series. It could be a flop. They could announce it and people, I mean, just because it may play best on your phone, on the iPhone, doesn't mean people are going to shell out another $10, $15. I think they really need to do what Amazon did and kind of sneak it in, bundle wait, it in something. So wait, is this in addition to a, to a- their existing uh, <coughs> subscription services? Is that a cough? That's a cough. Sorry. Is this an addition to this? Like, if I subscribe to a- Apple Music, do I get... N- they don't... No, no. The, I, streaming stuff? The, the presumption is that this will be a separate... Apple doesn't monthly bundle. subscription. Hmm. But they... What do they bundle? I feel like they should. Yeah. They should, and which is what Amazon has done. Exactly. They start with the, the prime... The thing that everyone takes for granted and, and is, is built into their credit card bill. They built in music... They built in video. They raised the price, but they do 
they Amazon does interestingly charge a premium for certain content. You know, if you you don't get everything under Prime. Oh no, no, and, and that's their that's services. their that's their vi- that's their video on demand. Yeah, like, pay pay per like the, the iTunes equivalent, mm-hmm. right? And and that's why for a long time the content on Amazon, the movies, it was very hard to distinguish. You couldn't search, and if you really try to inventory the movies that were on Prime streaming, it'd be a s- very small subset of the actual movies right. you could actually rent or buy on the Amazon service. Uh, and that's why they're moving toward things like uh, their original program shows, like uh, the one that's with uh, Jack Ryan, right? Um, and of course, the, the, all that money they spent on uh, Lord of the Rings, which we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Apple, I mean, they're not known as an like, original content company. We're not first to market anymore, right? So you have to come out with a lot of, of overwhelmingly compelling content to make this work. And while I'm excited about this hard sci-fi show, Time Bandit sounds great. I love Charlie Day and Rob McElhaney. Uh, uh, that's not even close to being enough. No, no. And, and it's not like they can infuse tech into it to make it pe- uh, more interesting. Because people just want to, like, for, for content, for video, people just want to put it on their TVs. Just put it on your TVs. Um, some other companies have done, uh, as opposed to creating a ton of original content, is work with licensors to license a lot of classic content, and nostalgia is a big selling point here. In fact, I think it's for CBS All Access, uh, the this you know Star Trek Discovery and the original programming shows, yeah, that gets some subscribers, but a significant portion of their audience base also are paying for Big Bang Theory, right? They're paying for CSI. Um, because that's that's what DC can... Universe is doing. Like you yep. have, you get the full Batman the animated series. You get all like the shows they've made over the years that have DC characters in them. Well, if you're like me and you grew up in the '90s and you're a fan of Nickelodeon shows, the entire Nickelodeon '90s catalog is going to be on the Verve service. <laughs> what are we talking about? Like you can't do that on television. Now that's what I'm talking about. That's classic Nickelodeon. I didn't recognize any of these shows. You didn't recognize all that? Or Are You Afraid of the Dark? No. Or Clarissa Explains It All? Not the titles, or not Keenan the actors. D- Legends of the Hidden Temple? Don't Legends even. of the Hidden Temple. Do you know Rocco's Anthony, Modern Life? You want a hidden secret? Anthony Carboni was yeah. on Legends of the Hidden <sighs> Temple. He went through the temple? I want to find that episode. Do you know about You Can't Do That on Television? Does no. that mean anything to you? It doesn't mean anything to me. Do you know what would happen? Oh, once... we can green slime the shit out of you. Do you him. even know like that would happen every episode? Somebody would get slimed? Like I know about the sliming. You do. That, the, the sliming was on um, what the 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 the, uh, the other competition show. I don't know what you're talking. Double about. Double Dare. Yeah, Double Dare. Oh, Double Dare yeah. was great. Double Dare. That's that's where the sliming came. No, in. sliming. It would happen like a bucket would dump on somebody. You never knew who it was going to happen to. But that's like that was when the original. Nickelodeon. That's what Nickelodeon was like. You just called me Canada Junior. That's what you called me. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, on on the service. It's uh, it's part of their big ten dollar a month offering, which includes a bunch of other stuff. And who's subscribing to this? (laughs) For real. Well, Norm still got he's got room for ten more dollars. Look, look, I love nostalgia. I'm next to the nostalgia king of the 1980s. Right. Well, this is all the country. This is ridiculous. Nostalgia is, I mean... Like, I understand, like, with Verve, like, having it be part of a bundle, so there's all these other channels. I get that. And we talked about this with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Imagine if Mr. Rogers wasn't on PBS streaming. 
like a lot of this is really great programming that I think a, the current generation of parents that grew up on it would love to introduce to their kids because what maybe what they're seeing on television for their kids isn't as palatable. I don't think that you're going to make it through two episodes of this stuff. It's like, oh, it's all Before, SD. It's all four by three SD. This is terrible. I'm going to get the laser cut a, an old CRT monitor frame put over your LCD. Look, Nickelodeon, I'm going to burst your bell. Nickelodeon wasn't good when we watched it. It was uh, just. What are you talking you're about? saying it's it better just, in our heads. It, it was much better in our heads. All Real Monsters? I liked it. I liked Nickelodeon. I, if, if I make you sit down and watch one of those episodes, I doubt you'll make it through No, no, no. No, I'm not saying like I'd like it today or it, it holds up or it competes with what's out there today. But in the 80s, it was unique. Yeah, but there's nothing else on. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I think we're arguing the same point. Okay. All right. Yeah, probably are. That's up to you out there. Um, let's move on from streaming services. Hey, we missed a, a big story last week, and, and maybe it deserves to be a top story. We did? But uh, Big Bang Theory is coming to an end. No, that's not a top story. No, <laughs> okay. I don't care. I don't no. care about that. Uh, I mean, congrats to all their success. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's a long-running series. I think by the end of it, it will maybe like the longest-running um, that format sitcom. How many seasons is it? Twelve. Only? Mm-hmm. That feels like not that many. That is a lot. That's did a lot they did they age twelve years in the fiction? I have no idea. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, that's a long time to be in grad school. <laughs> are, are the boys that's, all in grad that's, school? That's the thing you're going to pick apart. They were, uh, uh, two of them are, are scientists. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, right. I don't know. Okay. I just know the guy, Three one, of, one of those guys was in uh, the original Muppets. Not the original Muppets, but the new Muppets movie. Yeah, Jim Parsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I appreciated that. I heard they actually, um, CBS had offered them like a gajillion dollars to come back and do two more seasons. Um, and, and it was more than a million dollars an episode. I think it was like $50 million well, that was for crazy, each of the actors. Why would they say no to um, Because I think Jim Parsons, I think, wants to be done with it. I mean, they've made so much money during the series. I can understand being like, that's that's probably enough for now. 12 seasons a long time. It is. A big because they're, they're also doing 24, 26 episodes per season. That's a ton of content. Yeah. I mean, Friends, which it only made it 10, Seinfeld 9, like... Those are like, you know, held up as some of the biggest sitcoms ever. Friends. Oh, wow. <laughs> not into, wow. Talk, not about like a, talk about a show I can't relate to. <laughs> is it the rent control in New York? It's the beautiful people. And their love of coffee. Yeah. Uh, who can you relate to? You can relate to Weird Al? Yeah, now we're talking. So you guys probably heard the news that he got a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes. Yesterday. But do you know the story behind it? How because he got the star? This is kind of interesting. Well, how you mean how people get stars in general? You in, you told us not too long ago that there's actually a fee. Yes. In order, you don't just get chosen and you show up to get your your star. You got to pay the Chamber of Commerce a lot of money, and you have to guarantee that you'll be there for the for the actual ceremony. Yes. It, it's all for building up the reputation of the institution. So when I saw that Weird Al was getting a star, I thought, well, look at this guy paying the money. Mm-hmm. Being all about me. Look what I did, everybody. I got some money to spare. I'm going to get a star. New album's out, going on tour. Turns out, he didn't pay for that. His fans did. Whoa! In 2003, one of his fans, who'd been to every concert, decided he wanted Weird Al to get a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame because he didn't have one. 2003, he started a crowdfunding campaign. 
You're giving me ideas, Jeremy. In two years, he raised the necessary, at the time, 2005, $15,000 on his crowdfunding site. It's a lot of money, but it's not an unfathomable This was probably before the word crowdfunding existed. And he applied and was denied. Mm. He applied every year. He applied for 11 years. On behalf of Weird Al. Yes, and and was denied every year. I'm trying to think about how many years ago, 11 years ago, was Weird Al in his waning? Was that his dark times? 11, year, 11 years. <laughs> his that, dark 2007. Time. When was Weird Al's dark times? What do you mean? Well, like in terms of popularity. Mm-hmm. Like he had a surge of popularity in the late 90s. He did? Okay. Early, early thousands. Yeah, you're right. Like what, what, all, all about the Benjamins and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And then White and Nerdy. And right. Then, oh, White and Nerdy so good. And then kind of, I think, fell through the cracks a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's hard to keep up. And then now a little bit of a resurgence. Yeah. Well, he just had his final... Uh, contractually obligated album finished. So m- maybe now that's why. It, the, the, it's Ma- timing. It's so, a matter of timing. So just, now it takes $40,000 to get a start on the, on the Inflation. Oh. Yeah, big time. Big Hyper time. Hyperinflation. I love how all the stories of Weird Al's like generosity and and how his fans have come out this week with these stars. Have you seen some of these? No. So like Chameleonaire, who wrote that the original rap song that White Nerdy went to, he came out with a story about how he thinks he won a Grammy because of Weird Al coming out with White Nerdy, like repopularizing his song. Wow. Before that. There you go. He did a cover of one of Lady Gaga's songs, like um, uh, Baby I Was Born This Way, which was like turned into like an LGBT anthem. Mm-hmm. And Lady Gaga had donated a lot of profits from that song to support LGBT causes. And so Weird Al took all the money that was generated from the parody and donated it to the same cause. That's great. Weird Al's a good dude. He, he was just interviewed, well, maybe not just, but in the past year he was interviewed by um, Questlove on Questlove Radio, Questlove Supreme, which is an excellent series on Pandora if you've ever not heard it. Uh, anyway, uh, so 40, 40K and uh, also all crowdfunded. Finally, 11th time was the charm. He was about ready to give up, this, this fan of his. And he showed up. And well, yeah, and it got approved, and uh, and then of course Weird Al showed up, and uh, that would be embarrassing if he got that walk a whole thing. And it was great; it was great. He he had a funny little thing to say about don't um, take a pickaxe to my star. <laughs> you know, wow. topical. Uh, yeah, exactly. He said, you know, unless I do something absolutely horrible, in yeah. which case, of you course, will. please, yeah, it makes sense. Go ahead and do it. Of course. Congrats! Congratulations to Weird Al. I grew up with Weird Al. We that's something we can all we can all agree upon. Weird Al is great. Uh, we're talking about some movie casting news. This is a story that gets stranger and stranger. Remember how there are two, not one, but two Joker movies in the works right now? There's the, uh, or maybe more, there's the Jared Leto Joker movie, and then there is also a Joaquin Phoenix Joker, maybe not Joker, origin story movie. Well, this one falls into the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, and we have casting of a Wayne <laughs> okay. Not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But Bruce Wayne's father, Thomas Wayne. Alec yeah. Baldwin will play Thomas Wayne. For like a scene? Like, I don't know. Is that this it? This is upset. Because we know what happens to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, does you, know, you know something? Yeah. No, don't spoil it. Well, he becomes uh, the Batman. What? <laughs> it's DC. Yeah, you don't know about this stuff. There is actually a great <coughs> alternative storyline that that comes up um, sometimes in a in a Flashpoint paradox line where Thomas Wayne actually becomes Batman. That That's is right. actually a really interesting kind of vicious storyline. Who's Thomas? 
Thomas That's Wayne his is his father. Oh, Bruce Wayne's father. Okay. Uh, because like in the alt storyline, Bruce Wayne gets killed in the alley. He's oh. married to Martha. Damn. So yeah. he loses his son and becomes Batman. Yeah. And, and he's a doctor, so he knows how to hurt people. Yeah, and he's much more vicious. He violates. Oh, yeah. wow. He's like Robin in that new movie. Yeah. It, so uh, this is weird casting to me. I mean, this whole movie is upsetting to me. And it's yeah, Mark Maron. Well, that doesn't bother me. In it, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm very pro Mark Maron after watching Glow Season 2. I, I, I'm all in on Mark Maron. But I, I watched Dark Knight again a couple weeks ago. Why are we even bothering? Like after rewatching Heath Ledger's performance, like oh, yeah. it's over. It is over. I'm, I'm it's s- over. It, what's weird about the whole thing is like who at Warner Brothers? Why they signed off on not one but two Joker movies? The completed. They must have been sold on some hook, some angle, some approach to the story because it's confusing and fans are fickle and they they can't pay, they can't agree on more than one thing. So to have so many Jokers come out, like there are people who who think that. Christian Bale should have been the Batman in, in the Justice League movie when it's clearly a whole separate character. I just I I don't understand because Batman, maybe next to Spider Man, has the best menagerie of villains out there. Well, they're yeah. going after that Joker. Why now. do they keep coming back just to the same one? Because you can build such richness. Is it because of Jack Nicholson? Because that's what people know. I don't. I, I mean, Joker is the most famous one, but like, yeah. I feel like we've gotten it right twice. That's good enough yeah. mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And there's characters like Clayface and Man Bat and are you making stuff Firefly? Up? You're making this up. That are great. I think really interesting villains. I don't that, think Firefly is interesting. Okay, fine, fine. I take that one back. Clayface that one, is an interesting villain. I take that one back. Yeah, might as well go with Magpie. Mr. Freeze, I'm who's being, been abused. You're making this up. I'm being told. Oh, Mr. Freeze. Give me the Mr. A Freeze A good movie. Mr. Freeze? Is that Arnold Schwarzenegger? That's, well, in, 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 on screen, yes. That was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Okay. But give me a good Mr. Freeze movie. Yeah. Do, do that character justice. All right. Uh, one more thing for nostalgia's sake. Uh, I care less about this casting news, but more about the fact that this is actually something that's going to be made. Guillermo del Toro has an adaptation... Uh, that he's producing, I don't think he's uh, actually directing it, um, and it's all based on the book series, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Did either of you grow up with this book series? No. Is it legit scary? No, it's one of those scary, st- it, yes, it's legit scary, but I'm going to qualify that. It was legit scary, and it's one of those things that were in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, anthology books, like short stories, like little horror tales they tell around the campfire. Yeah. Right. Um, of course, scary stories tell in the dark. Uh, scary not just because of the story, but because of the artwork associated. Oh. It was one of those book series where the art was so horrifying and so iconic to that book series that everyone of my generation growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, and mid-90s uh, has this etch, this story, the art for the story etched in their brain. You no gotta way. Google it. Scary stories to tell in the dark, and I'm so glad Guillermo del Toro is producing it. Huh? I mean, do you recommend this for like eight year olds? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. They like like spiders and scary things and fingers falling off and. Oh my god, this is horrifying! It's horrifying, dude. I'm not. I might not be old <laughs> enough for this. <laughs> what the hell? This was, this was in elementary school. One of the scariest things. You gotta reevaluate your eight year old threshold. <laughs> Kids are fragile these days. <laughs> Reevaluate his four-year-old threshold for us. <laughs> oh my God! Did, did you guys uh, have you seen the Nun trailer? 
No. I saw the poster. I saw oh, the poster. Yeah. yeah. Good? I was, oh, I, I'm not into horror movies, so... Uh, the trailer. Well, there's the whole the whole there are two things, right? Uh, the YouTube trailer was pulled from YouTube for being too scary, and, and I don't know that was a stunt to get attention for this because they want it to be scary. But I'll tell you that movie trailer. I was forced to watch it in front of crazy rich Asians of all things, and it was freaking terrifying. The trailer just for the first 15 seconds <laughs> lingers. The, the lingers for the first 15 seconds of a slow zoom onto the portrait of the nun, and I just couldn't even look at the screen. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because you know something's going to happen. And something does happen. <laughs> and yes, to answer your question, Kishore, there is a jump scare in a movie theater, and it was one of those I did not pay for. This is not the experience I paid to see. Well, you, usually they associate the trailers with the film. Like, yeah. this is the movie. This is related to the film you're going to see. Genre-wise yeah. or even production company. I don't know why this was interesting. Crazy Rich Asians. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, our final story in pop culture this week. Uh, well, not really a, a close to the, the, uh, the saga of the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 production, but a little bit of an update. Uh, Disney has apparently put on hold production of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, telling the crew members... They can, in the meantime, find some other work uh, while they figure their stuff out. Wait, what was it in production? Pre-production, Pre-production. with a roadmap, okay. and so you book the crew, you book, book yeah. uh, all the locations, and and now that's yeah. And I being think put on hold. Disney, or at least like sources within Disney, were quick to say this is just putting it on hold. They're not scrapping the film at all. Just with all the changes around the director, they can't move forward with any of the pre-production stuff. Would you expect a different Marvel film to take its slot, its release? That's a good question. I think I think we're waiting for Avengers 4 to reset everything. Um, and I'm assuming that a couple arcs are going to end in Avengers 4. Mm. Like there won't be an Iron Man 4. Right. Or, or a Cap 4. And so, you know, we haven't seen Kevin Feige, what, like four years ago now? Or three years ago? Announced the full slate of movies through... Avengers 4 and hasn't really announced anything after that. That's just next year. I know. But I mean, so there's a whole blank slate. We're assuming Black Panther 2 and Guardians 3 and and probably some others are going to emerge. But I assume there will be some new series too. We start our talk of technology this week with self-driving cars and a report from The Outline uh, evaluating with, with some, uh, some unnamed sources about the state of Google's Waymo initiative. Do tell. And it's not looking good. Why not? Uh, well, Waymo is being tested right now um, in, what is it, Colorado? Uh, Phoenix, sorry, Phoenix. Arizona. Uh, and in a small town where they got the rights to do it, it lives among other cars, as self-driving cars will have to do initially with human-controlled cars. But it's unique because it doesn't require a human behind the, the wheel. Correct. Um, and so it does actually run and, and operate among those cars. Right. Uh, and it looks like the city that was chosen was very uh, grid-like, a very optimal city for testing this type of LiDAR-based, hmm. maps-based, uh, computer vision-based uh, uh, autonomous driving. And according to some of the reports from their sources, they're failing at some very, very basic 
operations. You know, you say that like, come on, Waymo. This is hard stuff. It like, is. And like I, think, what, I think the story here is, is not that it's unexpected, but that the problems are harder than anyone think. And that for all the money wow. that's being put into autonomous driving, it really seems like this pipe dream that we're not close to yeah. right now. Well, I, what do you mean by basic operations, though? Because I think like... What we oftentimes think as basic operations are really hard computationally because they chain a bunch of things together. Right. Uh, and, and so, like, you know, even being in a car that does some semi-autonomous driving, right, drive it assist, staying in the lanes on a freeway between the lanes, that I would not consider, a, like, that's the most basic. We're talking about basic operations at slow speeds in, in intersections, mostly, where traffic merges, where traffic can be a little bit unpredictable. Or even when it's predictable, it relies on some type of nonverbal, some type of visual communication between drivers. Uh, the prime example being an unprotected left turn. If you're in a tiered intersection and you may need to make a left turn and you don't have a light, you're unprotected, that is a scenario where, as a driver, you, everyone in this room knows to instinctively look left and right. And it is risky. You feel the risk every time you make an unprotected left turn in a busy, uh, busy intersection. Apparently, the Waymo cars are terrible at that, according to the outline. See, that strikes me as actually very difficult to it do a, a, autonomously. So I'm not surprised by that. And, and Waymo has come out and said that it is their stance that unprotected left turns are inherently risky. And that's why uh, UPS trucks are not advised to make those. Hmm. Um, but it is something that is a natural part of, part of the fabric of our traffic system. And you have to be able to navigate those for autonomous cars in city streets to work. Uh, other things, uh, merging onto a busy freeway, uh, especially in scenarios where you have like those signal lights that change when you, you know when you get an merge and they allow one car to move per signal light. That's not technically. Are you supposed to stop there? Is it a full stop? People don't really full stop. They kind of, you know, they, they California roll into that merge. The Waymo cars don't know how to really tackle that and that's fair how cool would it be if waymo introduced like an artificial hand and it would just roll down the window and <laughs> stick the hand out as it was merging well i think that's that's part of it there's there's not a lot of ways for the car to communicate to other drivers its intention other than signaling right like when we drive there's a lot of communication driver to driver with glances with waves and that's something that's not built in to these systems uh, or not something that's not – even if you find a way to uh, approximate those with lights or with yeah, some type of – Or a horn, yeah. You know, right. That's, it's, it's not something that other drivers are accustomed to right now. We've, and we talked about how this is interesting because, ironically, it's harder now for autonomous cars to exist than it will be in the future because there are so few of them. Once there are more autonomous cars, once every car is autonomous, or at least intelligent, then they'll be able to, to communicate with each other with their own language. And how do you get over that hump without yeah. accepting some of the faults, such as uh, fender benders? You're going to get the fender benders. You're going to run into curves. Mm -hmm. um, and then some people have talked about how, just fundamentally, the way these, these car systems are analyzing the roads. Yes, having a, a map of the road and having LIDAR systems or even uh, radar systems that can bounce on their cars can give you some advantages over human driving. But the, the sphere of information they have, and their mm -hmm. data sensing, um, is much less than an experienced driver being able to see a mile down a road and the actions of a car coming toward them. 
uh, you and I are always going to be better at information gathering in the long in long distances than a car is necessarily. Uh, and then you know, autonomous car proponents would say, "Well, it's the pedestrians' fault. The unpredictability, the erratic behavior of uh, uh, that the cars have to navigate right now. Autonomous cars have to navigate in the short term, the quote unquote short term, is a fault of other people. Pedestrians being erratic. You know, anyone who's gone through a busy intersection where you make a left turn and there are people trying to cross the street, a Thomas car would freak out there and not know what to do. If pedestrians had stoplights or gave right of way to autonomous cars, this wouldn't be a problem, but that's not a thing that's going to happen. That's not realistic. And in the scenario you're talking about, Jeremy, where even if autonomous cars work better when there are more of them on the road Mm -hmm. than human-driven cars, the human-driven cars will have to be held to a higher standard of accountability. It's like it's like thinking of um, when we move from horses to cars, right? At some point, there are more horses than there were cars. Mm-hmm. And people riding horses can kind of go free as freely as they want because they didn't have to deal with the cars. Then we went when there are more cars than horses, yeah, horses can still coexist, but the horses then are the minority and have to be held to a higher standard. I wonder if drivers will start to take advantage of the self-driving cars at that point, the human drivers, knowing that... Oh, manipulating. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And knowing that the AIs will be cautious, more cautious, less aggressive. Because there's no empathy. Right. You have zero empathy. Right. Right now, people barely have empathy with other human drivers. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about a world where there are no left turns. Like, is that actually better? Okay. Somebody's probably done the math. <laughs> no, what like if everyone just takes right turns, like just mm-hmm. in a in a localized city, especially like where there's um, you know, uh more one-way streets, like mm-hmm. I can I can bet. Is this that is this something faster. that you can a toggle, you can switch on in SimCity? <laughs> yeah. Or just no left city turn mode, GTA. But like a left turn with a one-way street's fine, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, but it, I'm, I'm sort of imagining that it could be faster if all the cars just, you know. And you're talking about around. Justin, uh, not, not Britain. Everywhere yeah. but the UK. <laughs> yes, not the UK. <laughs> uh, have you tried messing with any of the autonomous cars that are out in the city? No, and I don't want to do it. What do you mean messing? Like I'm talking about? Like, so like, th- this is a little mean, uh, but I, I, I think this. I did this. What did you do? I was at a stop sign, and one of the autonomous cars, I think it's called Cruise, was out. That's one of the more common ones we see around here. In a bolt, and, probably. Uh, nope. Yeah, I yep. think it was. And it was a four-way stop. And they were doing everything right. But it was definitely, I, I kind of went ahead of my turn mm-hmm. against the cruise and saw it kind of like jerk mm-hmm. a little bit. So I was messing with it a little bit just to see how it would react. That's bad? That's yeah. bad. Yeah. I, I, I should feel bad. bad. You should. And, but but you it's know, interesting. The, how do you not experiment with is, it? I think there will be a lot of people who are going to mess with autonomous cars, not even drivers. I think there's going to be vandalism yeah. on autonomous cars. What? People are going to, yeah, I think people are going to throw paint on their sensors and, and try to break their light because they feel like it's it's not a real person. It's just a, a nameless giant tech conglomerate with billions of dollars, and people are assholes. Hmm. And no one would would dare go in the street and throw a bucket of black paint over the windshield of a driver, right? Uh, but I don't think anyone's going to get arrested in the short term. That's why the robots Dude. are going to rise up. It's that kind of behavior. No, I think that's why the corporations continue sucking your money. Mm. 
Um, okay, uh, moving on from driverless cars. Hey, I want to talk about Cyberpunk 77, 2077. Yeah, there was a big, long gameplay. It's, what is it? It's not a trailer. This is a gameplay capture. Demo? Yeah. This was what was shown at E3. There was a lot of buzz at this year's E3 about Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, there was a trailer that was released. We talked about it. Very uh, montage of very uh, futuristic scenes, um, dystopian scenes, uh, weird concepts. And uh, but some journalists were able to go back doors and watch this real time, almost hour long, forty eight minute long demo, and that capture in in four K resolution with some narration uh, has been released online. Now the game is not out for we think at wow. least a year and a half. It came out right? two days ago. It has over five million views. Oh yeah, this is a big deal in the video game business. Uh, people think it'll probably be twenty twenty. It's probably it may not even be this gen consoles. Although the graphics look like it could play. I mean, it plays on a high end PC probably, and it could probably play on a console here. But we get a lot of sense of the kind of game it was. And if you like Deus Ex, you love big fan of that kind of first person RPG with cyberpunk and, and tech upgrades. This game. Looks like it could be a lot of fun. Did it follow through on, uh, I think a lot of the reviews and reactions says it, it's a little bit more adult of a game, oh, too. Yeah, they, they make a point. It is mature, and there there's nudity in it. There's drug use. Uh, it's The world building that they've done, uh, They want to, they, it looks like a hyper-massively dense version of like a GTA city. So it's set in this night city, Northern California, uh, but they say they want to have zero load time, so it's all hidden in elevators and, <laughs> and other things. Half-Life did it. And, uh, but it's an open-world RPG. So drive anywhere, go anywhere, crazy tech upgrades. Like you're putting shard computers in your neck, um, and the UI that pops up in your overlay. And I, I, I want to say that. the nudity that I saw, and I didn't watch the whole – I skimmed through it to like check out the different gameplay mechanics that yeah. there are. But the nudity I saw was not sexualized. It was it was it was certainly adult in nature, but it was more gory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking about. I thought adult in the context of a more mature game, <laughs> like there's more mature themes oh, at play for sure. This oh, yeah. is M rated. Uh, the uh, the other thing is you are about to become a dad, so yes. you're you when you make a game choice now, when you make a choice to invest in a game, you have very limited time. Is this meet that criteria? Well, for me, it's almost like, is this a game that will get me to play a game on a TV again or a computer monitor again? Because right now I'm just playing VR games. <laughs> right? Like, is this, uh, yeah. I, need, I need flat screen gaming experiences that have to be really compelling someone, for me to be interested Someone in. in one of the subreddits, the VR subreddit, said that they went on the Discord, on the, the Cyberpunk Discord, yeah. and said, please, please Make this cons- in VR. consider VR support. And uh, apparently the general consensus was, go away, VR is a fad. And he, the guy was eventually banned. Wow. Yeah. This game, like for a AAA game like this, that's going to be hours and hours of gameplay. I can't imagine how much it would cost to actually make this VR yeah. compatible Bethesda, in a meaningful way. Bethesda did it. You know, it could be done. <laughs> I'm not saying it can't be done, but it won't be cheap. No. And a lot of mechanics, with I mean, it's not multiplayer, but a lot of mechanics are... And require movement that VR doesn't really support. Hmm. Double jumps, wall jumping, that kind of stuff. The Does, fast-paced movement. Does it? Is there wall jumping in this? In the very oh. end, they upgrade the character, the max oh. levels. Uh, the cool thing is a lot of like the UI things you take for granted in first-person shooters, highlighting around enemies, the zooms you get, are kind of all written into the story as cybernetic upgrades. So you go to your local upgrade center. They take your, you plug something into your eye, and then you can get things to upgrade your hands so you can see... Get better like response from your your weapon. 
um, there's a in, in the fiction of the world there's the there uh, whole, whole like sub companies of like uh, people who have insurance medical insurance so if they get injured then a whole army comes in to, to rescue them because like, like, they've paid when like with guns with guns <laughs> with guns like get away from my client they paid for they paid for the premium insurance and they have a cough so we got to protect them and send them to the hospital uh, there are it'd junkies. be more accurate if like the insurance bots come and then like mistake them for the wrong person and like have you sign a lot of forms yeah that wouldn't be good gameplay uh, no, though no uh, there's a the whole gang called the Borg that love cybernetic implants. They just want to become full machine, hmm, nice. so they've they've uh, augmented their a lot of their body parts, um, and lots of like drones, spiders, flying drones. You know, it's RPG dialogue trees. Uh, it looks looks a lot of fun. Do you think that like revealing this much gameplay, which is like forty five minutes or so? Yeah, forty minutes. Like, and and they, do you think that spoils anything? No, I mean I think they show essentially one quest done one way with one variation of character. And the thing they emphasized was like, it's an RPG. These choices you make in the beginning for your character and these decisions you make will pay off in different ways in the end. And this quest, this one quest you saw that we completed this one way can be completed a variety of different ways. Um, so they really want to show you that this is going to be an expansive thing. And it's, you know, the makers of the Witcher series, and, and mm-hmm. P- PC gamers love that, and this is this is the Futurama. Do you really that. think it won't be out next year? Yeah, I, th- I think it's... Why are they showing so much? That's a really good question. And, and you know, big text in the top, this is all early gameplay, everything's subject to change. You know, it's, it's getting 5 million views, getting people talking about it, getting us talking about it. It's like, I mean, there's it's a full-fledged city. There's a... Uh... AI for every character in the That's city. That's what they said. Going Zero. about their business. Yep, yep. There's automobiles you can hijack. You can drive around the city like GTA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Blade Runner Fifth Element video Ghost game. Ghost in the yeah. Shell. Yeah. It looks incredible. Neuromancer, all that stuff. Though I will say, this isn't the only E3-buzzed game that released a, a trailer kind of thing this week. Did oh. you not see Untitled Goose Games trailer? What's that? That is the best game that came out of E3. Untitled Goose Game? Oh, when you're a goose. When you're a goose and yeah. you have to like distract your owner and stuff. They yeah, finally yeah, released yeah. a trailer. It's coming out um, <laughs> in 2019. It okay. is ridiculously silly, all right. but I thought it looked... Uh, I- I'm all in on that game. They also recently announced Into the Breach and Towerfall are coming to Switch. Two excellent games. Mm. Uh, speak of, speaking of video games and consoles, uh, Microsoft has announced a new all-access subscription plan, which is a really interesting way to get in on an Xbox uh, Xbox One X. And right now they have Xbox Live, which is like required pay if you want to play multiplayer. And they also have the Game Pass, which is like the the new fad in, in game hardware, uh, console subscriptions. You, know, mm. you get like a game, a new game every month. Yeah, as long as you stay subscribed. Exactly, as long as you stay subscribed. It's the Netflix of, of, of uh, gaming. And... Uh, in addition to that, if you're going to plan on subscribing to those, you can also get at least hardware, an Xbox One X, uh, for thirty-five dollars a month. Ouch! Uh, which sounds it, it's it's a lot. Is that right? a good deal? That's... Well, if you do the math, apparently it's two years for thirty-five dollars a month. Mm-hmm. It ends up being eight hundred and sixty dollars. But if you bought the hardware at today's prices, MSRP plus paid those two subscription plans. You'd be paying 
uh, I'm sorry, it's, you'd be paying $860. Here you'd be saving $20, but you'd be paying 840 over the span of two years. Yeah, but then you can sell it. I think you get to keep the hardware. So maybe it's not exactly oh. a, a lease. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, so it's, it's a payment plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have one for the Xbox One S, if you don't need the X. And um, it, it would cost you $530 for two years, but the hardware and subscription service will be worth 660 hmm. So you're saving 130 bucks. Aren't new consoles set for next year, or is this it the year is, after? This is the thing where it's like, they want to get you on the subscription plan because once you're bought in at $35 a month or, or whatever, year and a half down the line, they might have new hardware to announce and they might just get you to keep on subscribing. It's like phones. It's what Apple's been doing for phones with their upgrade plans uh, for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And now this is just it for, for hardware. Uh, also on the Xbox One front, uh, there's also a upcoming new white Xbox One X, if you care about that. New color scheme with a white controller. Yes, no? No. No? No. Next story, 500 please. bucks, November 14th. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did order a white electric scooter, though. Oh, what'd yeah. you get? I, uh, uh, I, I forget. <laughs> I, d- I did all this research, and then I ended up ordering one from, uh, from Walmart. They and you can price. just find those on the street. My man, I know, I know the bird scooters, but do they yell at you if you even try to move them? My, uh, my, calling the police. My son calling and I, we, we're going to the park a lot these days, but we don't like the going to the park part, so because it's uphill, uh, and it's it's several blocks. So I got an electric scooter. I'm gonna take my my electric board. He's gonna take the electric scooter, and then we'll be at the park more, more often. That's the thought. I'll review that once I got it. And like, for those that have never ridden these, how how fast do they go? This one goes 15 miles an hour. Oh, that's Scooting. That that's pretty standard. Is fifteen for whatever reason because they got that's like, moving a twenty four volt motor or twenty four volt battery. Yeah, and get you how far? What's the range? Uh, mm, like ten miles, fifteen miles maybe. No, that's actually not bad. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I look forward to trying it. In the camera world, this is a story that we uh, missed last week. Uh, Nikon, big momentous occasion for Nikon. They have moved into full frame mirrorless cameras with a new. Z camera line. Uh, these are uh, two cameras that take direct uh, or direct competition to Sony's A A seven three series and A seven three or R three series, and this is the Z seven and the Z six. Mm-hmm. Uh, same body design, but different features in terms of megapixels, focus points, and ISO range. Uh, and Nikon and Sony actually share um, the sensors in their cameras. Um, so one company is making sensors for the others for a long time. Hmm. Uh, so it's really about the processing and also the lens support. This is will require a new type of lens, a Z-mount lens, um, and there will be a $250 adapter uh, that allows full compatibility with autofocus and exposure with Nikon's full-frame F-mount Why a lenses. new lens? Because... Um, with the mirrorless, you just need a new mount because the, the format is different. Like the huh. distance between the lens, yeah, and there's because there's no prism. Huh. The distance between this lens and the sensor, how about that? Is different. Is, does Canon do a full frame mirrorless? Canon does not do a full frame so mirrorless. They're last to the party, huh? They have a um, <clears throat> um, a smaller smaller sensor size mirrorless. Uh, Sony is the one that's been really kicking butt. Yeah, in that world, uh, and these will come out, I believe, in November, uh, and the uh, higher end one will be thirty four hundred dollars, and the lower end one will be uh, two thousand dollars, which is 
that's a compelling price. I mean, that's the the A seven three Gunther has it, and he's been really, really loving it. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how how those two cameras compare. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me close this window. Um, oh, this is a kind of a, it's a little bit of a science story. But did you see this research project for basically deep fakes for body movements? This was crazy. Like I almost don't believe this. I believe this was human. In, like manipulated or something. This was crazy. They they took they took video of people moving against a static uh, with a lockdown camera. Just Researchers mo- out of UC Berkeley. They shot people moving their bodies, not dancing necessarily, just moving around. Mm-hmm. And then they used another video of someone actually dancing. And they were the computer using deep learning was able to apply the dance moves of the dancer. To the people in the, the videos video. of just where they were just moving around, I, I think it's important to say that they took, they analyzed dancing video first, the source video. Yeah, right. So they, whether it's uh, ballet or Bruno Mars, whatever, or whatever and the, the, the in the video that they show, you, the, the computer you can see the detected pose. Yeah, right. They figure out Bones. where the joint should be, yeah. and 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 that is difficult, but not something that we haven't seen before. No, um, but but it was interesting, it's interesting that it was done strictly with video and not using a Kinect, right, or something like that. Right, and, and you know, when we went to the Augmented Reality Conference, we saw, based on video, mm-hmm. skeletal modeling. It's cool. It's it's very cool. That that part, I think, is, yeah, absolutely cool. But the, the cooler thing is applying that data mm-hmm. with new video, mm-hmm. and this is where the really deep learning is. It's, it's in filling in the gaps of, of video. It's in making their bodies move in ways that the source video never showed. Right, and and base, and and the new source video for you would be just, just random movements. You spinning in circles, yeah. so that gets a, a, some, not only a sense of what your skeletal movements are, but some video of you from all sides. Now, it's not 100% perfect, but the imperfections are... More than forgivable. Like the hands disappear now and then. And the face on different angles. But they, the, don't, they do great transitions. The, but there's a whole subroutine that does handle the face and makes it look as, as good as possible. And I was stunned that it looked that good because the, the head is constantly moving where it's supposed to move Yeah. based on where the source videos, the, the actual dancer, actually moved his or the her The face head. stuff is always the toughest part. It's incredible. They have these shadows that apply throughout the body. It, it doesn't do fabric, so you have to wear tight clothing. Mm. So you can't do loose-fitting cl- fabric. Right. But, you know, Makes sense. They couldn't do that in the freaking Matrix. Yeah. This is incredible. This is like the, the new ragdoll physics, right? It's, it's mimicking body movements. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by this. I would love to know more about what, what level of human interaction was required to make this happen. You know, right across the bay. What still kind of blows my mind, too, is they're able to separate like the background too, yeah. like all the noise that exists. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think the background's this, the easy part because the background's no, static. I mean, but the thing is like they're applying like the, well, I guess so. But I mean, in both videos, they disregard all this noise that's in the room uh, because these people are moving about. So things are changing in terms of the background. Anyways, I thought that was sort of a fascinating part about this. You, you could, this is creepy as hell. You could send a video of yourself being manipulated to dance mm-hmm. to somebody in your family and they would believe it was freaking real. Like, Actually, just compress it a little bit. Y- it looks like the person dancing. You'd have to have a really keen eye to, to sell that this was manipulated. It's neat. Yeah. yeah. Very cool stuff. Uh, did you see that uh, someone posted on Twitter a uh, screen grab or a clip from Measure of a Man where uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode, the season uh, two episode mm-hmm. where Data is evaluated and he talks about mm. 
his processor capacity, and he talks about uh, operating at his uh, 60 trillion operations per second. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, that's basically six six teraflops. Okay. You get a handful of uh, three NVIDIA Volta graphics cards that we talked about last week would, would run at data speed. How about that? Yeah. How about that? And you can rent that on a server for like $25 a month. I can have data for $25 a month? Basically. Hmm. I think they, they missed the order of magnitude there. Is yeah. NVIDIA using a positronic net? No. Oh, well, then it, it doesn't matter. There you go. There you go. Um, we are another week closer to expected iPhone, new iPhones, new Apple products. Hey, where's the announcement? Where's the invite? I mean, not for us, you know. Yeah. But it's like, just for people in general. I just want to see the picture of the yeah. invite, right? Right. And uh, the report from uh, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, who has been a good, had a good track record of the inside no, uh, says there will be this, a massive new phone this year. Three new phones. Is it going to be iPhone X-like? Whole new designs that uh, like... Um, what do you mean? Like the iPhone iPhone X. Uh, 10. iPhone 10, sorry. Mm-hmm. Ten. Yep. Oh, I say X just to to tweak <coughs> the people. You say OS as an OS and, X too. Yeah, as an Android person. Well, they, they no, none of these phones will be all like iPhone X. They will be version. There'll be some type of hybrid. <laughs> it worked. Uh, but are we going to still get notch and yeah. uh, like you know that kind of stuff? Yep. It seems like why wouldn't they double down on that? Because it it felt like iPhone eight was sort of a it just tacked on. Last year, with how much they're raving about the ten, so and the large one will apparently have a six point five inch screen. That's like Galaxy Note size. What are they doing? That's, that's like tablet size. It's mini tablet size. What was the screen? There's size your iPad the, Mini. I know. Yeah. Just buy a mini? phone. I think it's seven, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Different. Maybe different aspect ratio. So the mini probably had more surface area. Six and a half. This phone's gonna be like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. They wanted they they I think they looked at the market and how many people were willing to pay a thousand dollars for a new phone, and they said, "Oh, we think we can get people to pay even more." I, I I've never like I understand like some people like that that size that use more of the tablet like functions, but I just think that's such a niche market. Um, there's also apparently the iPhone 10 will get uh, itself an upgrade, the same 5.8 screen, 5.8 inch screen, but the changes might be uh, new. Uh, processing speed, of course, and new camera. Um, so your very standard upgrades. And then a cheaper version um, will have a large screen, but a cheaper device. And it will be LCD instead of OLED, 6.1-inch screen, multiple colors. Will that be the iPhone 9? Whatever is going to replace iPhone 8, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they'll go above 10, if they'll be an 11, or if they'll do like the OS 10. That's the biggest question. What is their, what is their numbering scheme? Yeah. What is their naming scheme? Is there anything that would make either of you upgrade? The, uh, no, and uh, I think that's the yes. that's the problem. Yes. What what is it? A headphone jack. Oh. And I am not kidding. I don't think it's going to happen. There is no way you would pay another thousand dollars just to get the headphone jack. They won't back. go back. Yes, I would, because it would come with another uh, other things that would help me justify it. Yeah, just I will justifying. I, it I would is spend the name of the game two hours on a podcast next week talking you out of that if I need to. <laughs> It's not going to happen. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. All right. uh, I think we can skip through the rest of it. Uh, Yeah, we're we're pretty good. All right. Let's go to Moment of Science. But that's not what you have written in the show notes, friend. Oh, 
Well, before we get to a moment of science, I want to thank the other sponsor of this week's episode, and that's Evident. Evident is revolutionizing the way personal data is shared. Evident provides a simple, secure platform that lets businesses confidently know who they are dealing with without handling sensitive personal data. With connections to thousands of authoritative sources through a single API, Evident is the only platform that enables comprehensive, accurate, and up-to-date identity and credential verifications. Companies can create a solid foundation of trust and safety on their platform, allowing them to seamlessly verify workers in less time and with more confidence. Evident is bringing confidence and peace of mind to personal data interactions across the globe. Check out evidentid.com slash test to sign up and get started immediately. Again, that's evidentid.com slash test to sign up and start running verifications in minutes. And thank them for sponsoring this week's episode. Moment of science. So, three stories this week. Uh, Norm, you remember going to CERN a couple years ago now, oh, yeah. and when they were talking about the the discovery of the Higgs boson, the confirmation. Uh, one of the key elements in that discussion wasn't that they they didn't observe the Higgs boson directly; they saw the decay products. Yes, of it. inference. Yeah, and so they used muon decay to sort of track back that the Higgs boson occurred. And this week, uh, CERN announced that they doubly confirmed in a different decay pattern because the Higgs boson supposedly has more than one decay pattern than what we saw. So what they tracked was actually a bottom, anti-bottom quark decay pattern. Yeah, but the naming, naming pattern in, uh, in quarks is pretty great. Uh, and we haven't talked about charm quarks very much here on, on the podcast. But um, the, the standard model predicts something like 50 to 60% of Higgs boson decays, I think it's 57%, would uh, decay in this um, bottom, anti-bottom quark um, uh, pattern, and they finally saw it. So this does just confirm more aspects of the standard model, and if you remember most of that trip, they were like looking for ways to break the standard model of physics. This adds to the confirmation, but they're hoping that it's just another point along the way to, to breaking it. All right, now to, to the crazy stuff. All right, I'm going to play a video uh, for Jeremy's eyes. Um, and it's this idea out there that uh, wasps suck. They are horror, horrifying creatures. I've heard this theory. Yeah, they're, they're terrible. And there's a set of wasps that are parasitic. They're called parasitoid wasps. Even worse. Disgusting. Um, and the video that I'm showing Jeremy is a wasp that has evolved to... Uh, uh, be a parasitoid to a tarantula and what it does is it sticks its oh my god it sticks its uh, uh stinger, yeah um oh into god. a tarantula Ooh. and it uses essentially neurotoxins to paralyze it dude this wasp and then is huge and then it gets even weirder then it's able to manipulate the tarantula's brain to actually move. Oh, I'm, I'm going to turn this off. Whoa, whoa. Manipulating its brain to to have the tarantula move. But like move in general or move yes. in a direction? It's like, you know, those puppeting it. Oh, my and God. And it, it puppets it back to the tarantula's lair. Oh, my God. Then the wasp lays eggs inside the tarantula, and the eggs eat, and when they hatch, they eat the tarantula from inside out. And so... 
these parasitoid wasps are incredibly common. Ugh. And uh, yeah, it's starting to like the see the tarantula is actually moving its appendages. Why is it take it back to its lair? Uh, because that's the safe place, free from any other predators, oh where it can god. lay its eggs. Where its eggs will survive. Yes. Oh my god. And so um, long in this field of research, they've thought how uh, there's been an open question: How many parasitoid wasps are there? Like, how many have they evolved? And now there's new evidence that have come out this week that there might be parasitoid wasps for almost every insect out <gasps> there. And so... Uh, so the wasps are controlling the insects. Uh, their researchers found um, a fossil of an insect that were 30 to 40 million years old. And it was a pupa of a, of a type of fly. And they did this incredible x-ray scan. And um, Jeremy can see the scan. I'll put it in the show notes. And they found within that fly a pupa of a parasitoid-like egg. And uh, this is starting to suggest that there's so many parasitoid wasps out there uh, that we couldn't believe. And if you had to name this, what would you name this? The wasp? Yeah. Because um, it's a new species. I don't know. It's not is it like, it's like a zombification kind of thing? I don't know. Uh, they named it Xenomorphia resurrecta. Oh Ooh. God, that's pretty great. That's really cool. And Zeomorphia hand skinny, which is, yeah, so they named it after the alien gut busting um, stuff. Uh, This is just insane. If this starts to hold, if they find more parasitoid wasps out there, it just adds to the creepiness. Everyone's sort of, you know, in a rage about the bees in Times Square, but the wasps are where it's at. I mean, that wasp is humongous. That's not a wasp that I see around San Francisco. No, these are, are rare. I mean, not rare, but they they're evolved to to you know yeah be a predator for these you know different animals. So we don't see a lot of tarantulas here either. So why would they live here? Yeah, let's keep it that way. And our last story is um, in biomedical research. Oftentimes, mice are used as models for human discovery, and that's especially true in neuroscience. And this week. Uh, Researchers were doing slices of of human brains and found a type of neuron that had previously never been seen. Think about that for a second. Like we have cell types in our body that we're still discovering out of the trillions of cells. A whole new organ that was just discovered. Well, I mean, that was more. That wasn't really discovery. It was just like I see. These are these things are more connected than we thought. Categorized. Yeah, we're going to categorize it this way. And so this isn't you know, a different neuron and they, and it's been known about. But what, what was different is mice don't have this, but we do. Mice are stupid. And so these are called rosehip neurons. There's a great piece in Wired this week that really goes into a ton of detail about them. But we don't know much about the function, but just because they are absent in mice and, and uh, present in us gives us some indication that what is it about us that arise that m- mice don't have? Superiority. They're, Oh, yeah, just a sense of, of, of smugness. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mice don't have that, right? <laughs> so, I mean, could this be the source of that? Um, there's a lot of ex- excitatory signals that are that flow through these. We don't totally know what they do, but it, I think it, it's, it's totally, I, I mean, I don't know how else to say this. We found a different type of neuron in our brain I didn't know that, that we didn't really know was there. What's news to me is we thought we had the same neurons as mice. I didn't know that. Well, it's just oftentimes used as models for, for human beings. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this just calls into that into question. 
We live in the dark ages, I tell you. I am so sorry for showing you that video. Oh my, it's gonna nightmares. Ah. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. Love that intro. <laughs> all right. Uh, who here likes Beat Saber? It's all right. I like all that game. Right. It's a phenomenon. It is, no, no doubt. You it's didn't, a VR you didn't phenomenon. Say who here thinks it's a phenomenon? Uh, well, My play space isn't adapted to it. I'm too small. Well, what? maybe you should it's find a bigger play it's space. It's a standing game. Like a like like a VR arcade, <laughs> right? Might be the place to play it, and it might be better than your Jurassic Park VR experience that you had last week, Jeremy. Uh, low bar. <laughs> well, Beat Saber announced that they are going to start working on the Beat Saber arcade machines. Brilliant! Yeah, give me a good lightsaber hilt. Why Oculus or Vive isn't funding this is beyond me, because this is what would sell headsets, like not the Void, because that's different. But getting this out into arcades is what will make people buy this stuff. So what's interesting, there is like a, a render of what they hope this arcade will look like. They say it will be self-operating, no attendant required. And it will have a, a kind of a, a, a overhang hooked uh, headset, so mm -hmm. you'll be free to move around 360 with a pad that you're supposed to stand on. It's, just, it's not 360. But, it's not 360. But you don't the need to do 360. The attendant is there to... Clean it. So that's the question. No. Self-cleaning. <laughs> what? <laughs> Put the headset back in the it's compartment. Like, it's like a like a stall in the bathroom. You get it's up to you. You know? They that, have they have wipes there if you want them. Arcades you, are already gross. Oh. This is pretty gross. Well, hey man, I don't I don't remember anybody cleaning the Jurassic Park VR experience. Like for all I know, that headset was worn by eight people that day. I don't know. <laughs> They'd be lucky. Um I'm really curious what the form factor will take like. What do you mean? Like for the headset, the, the comfort of the... Because you have to make it easy for you to put on. Don't you think it'll just be... Do you think, is it Vive? Can you tell? Is no, it, you can't tell. It looks like... With, it doesn't look like they've announced any partnerships yet. Huh. Some type of tethered headset. Do you think we'll get to Beat Saber competitions like we get with DDR? Seems like that would make sense, right? Wait a minute. I can't, I can't see I don't... I mean, like of all the games that people have tried to pitch as like VR competitive mode this one makes more sense to me because it builds off infrastructure that already exists the visuals have to be cooler for spectators those are windows mixed reality controllers aren't they those are and that's a isn't yeah. that a windows mixed reality yeah. headset you think they're gonna use the windows mixed reality why not it'd be perfect for it yeah hmm. yeah i don't know maybe that's just what the artist used for the rendering mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah uh, what's funny is that the, the whole thing is really ornate. It looks like something Raw Thrills would make for Dave and Buster's or something. It really has that attract mode lighting. Yeah. Like they need to get... It, it's super sexy, but of course, it could be plywood once you got the headset on. That's... I, I, it would be cooler. Like this like nondescript box. Right. That Everyone's becomes something. so excited to put on the headset. What, what's, yeah. what's in there? You got to put on the headset. And then it, it... You know, they know where the... The box is where the front is, and it looks so much cooler in that world. I get it. I get it. It makes you want to play it, but it's just it's neat. It's funny. And, you know, it works because they have all, they made all the songs. So, you know what? the licensing. Did you say this? It won't be in America? Uh, it's in China. Yeah. 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 We're least. taking a trip. I mean, that's where VR arcades are, uh, are increasing in popularity. Let's do a field trip. Field trip to Japan for the VR arcade tour. Do, for Mario Kart, it might years. be worth it. Yeah. That would be cool. 
we've been excited for PSVR's upcoming releases, one of which is Astrobot Rescue Mission, expansion on the Astrobot character that was in the uh, PSVR uh, the Playroom. Uh-huh. And uh, now there is, uh, what is it, a launch date? We played it at E3. Yes, the, uh, the Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. You played it. Yeah, it was uh, fun. Uh, yeah, well, they got uh, October 2nd is the October release date. October 2nd. So a lot of people who play the PlayStation VR experience (coughs) remember it was like a bunch of mini games, and one of them was this little robot platformer kind of thing. Lived in uh, the controller. Which was cool because it was actually two-player in a funny way. I'm not sure that they have that here, if there's like an asynchronous thing with the person watching the TV see something different or not. They didn't have that working at at E3, but in any case, even if they don't have that working, it's a solid platformer. I'm excited to play this. There's not... Too many PS uh, PlayStation VR exclusives that come out that are really exciting to me, but yeah. this, this is one of them. I, I'd be excited to play this. And first party, yeah. By the way, uh, the Beat Saber will also be in South Korea. Ah. yeah, Asia, yes. Um, EA, uh, the reports are they are uh, working on. Well, they bought Respawn Entertainment, um, the previous developers of Call of Duty, and then the developers left and formed Respawn, made Titanfall, and uh, EA acquired them, mm-hmm. and they uh, are still working on an unannounced AAA VR shooter. Okay, that's exciting. What, what, what do you think that could mean? A lot of loot boxes in VR. Oh, God. Come on, it was easy hanging fruit. Yeah, lo- too low, too easy, too easy. Uh, Gameplay-wise, um, I hope that this means it's a, f- a first big publisher like EA going after releasing a fully-fledged-out VR game that's end-to-end made for VR. Like, in, in what vein? Like a robo-recall kind of frame, vein? Is that what you're hoping for? I'm hoping for something more story-driven. Yeah. Um, oh, Rec Room. Hey, this is something that may be divisive. Okay. Uh, literally, in the community. Rec Room is opening up um, cross-platform play between VR and flat screen. Okay. Yeah. Now, first of all, they did this for VR owners. Like, VR owners, for a while, they were testing it by letting you, if you wanted, play without your headset on. Right. I don't know if anybody did that or not, but... Why would you if you have the VR headset? Because it's an advantage. It is. That's the thing. Keep the normies out. If you're playing... This is like the flip side of the old console, keyboard, mouse versus gamepad debate. Remember when Halo 2 first came out and you needed Windows 10? There was cross-platform play where you could play with the gamepad yep. on your on your Xbox, on your uh, Windows, well, not Windows 10, Windows 7? Windows. Windows. Uh, and, and play Halo 2. Uh, we did a test where you had keyboard, mouse, Halo versus gamepad. And as as expected, yeah. keyboard, mouse destroyed, destroyed. gamepad players so in if Halo. You, there's certain games in Rec Room, like Rec Royale, where... Um, it's Particularly with guns like the sniper rifle, which are very difficult to use in VR because you have to steady it somehow. And, and my point is that with the, the console PC controller debate, when you're playing with keyboard and mouse, I would argue that's, that was the platform that was more fun and the one that gave you the competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Here, the difference between oh, VR yeah. and flat screen is that VR, I think, is more fun. Mm-hmm. But the less fun experience may give you the competitive advantage with keyboard and mouse. Yeah. And then it's like, are you playing to win or playing to have fun? Yeah. And the problem is, like, they're not just letting these people in. And who knows what that will do to the community. Well, I'm, with these I'm people. A, yeah. These flat screeners. <laughs> exactly. They're letting them in. 
But um, there, the new default mode for joining all the rooms is free for all. So they will all be in there together. If you just want VR players in Rec Room, you have to join that special room. How how could you design a way to give VR players put them on equal footing with a weapon like the sniper rifle in the game? What you mean with flat screeners? With flat screeners, you can't do it. Can't do it. Now you have that increased bob. Oh God! Like some artificial artificial bob. Uh, no things constantly spawning in behind you. It's a mess. Like they just they gotta segregate the community. I mean, I, I bet that's where this is going. I I, I assume. Now, on one level, Rec Room just wants, doesn't want it to be uber competitive. Like, they want it to be fun. You yes. know, we're all in it together. Oh, I lost. No big deal. But I don't think people are going to take it that way. No, they, it's going to get competitive. Yeah. They're going to be in there to win. I'm a little concerned Maybe about this. Maybe you may have an advantage in combat-wise and under a scope, but maybe movement is a little more restricted. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you enhance the immersion for, for VR? When you have full body tracking, or or at least your head tracking, I think that there's definitely some interesting avenues to go. Well, let's go from a basic technical analysis. In VR, you can look and shoot in two different directions. Yep. That itself, that's that's a big advantage. Yes, right. I can strafe literally strafe my with 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 the controller in one hand, mm-hmm. look one direction, and actually be firing another direction. I can blind fire that way. Yeah. So, oh, you're saying there's an advantage to that, being there, in VR. I think there's an advantage. That's that's a technical advantage to being in VR. But if a PC player has a sniper rifle, there's no way you're going to compete with that in VR. Yeah. And that's that's a maybe not even a, the sniper rifle. The uh, the the pirate gun. Aiming anything is going to yeah. be easier in VR. Yeah. I mean, in a mouse and keyboard. Well, and also think of the mechanics. The reloading mechanic is a physical thing. Yeah. So right. a you're, button press is a lot faster. A button press way faster. Yeah. We should try it. We should play through Pirate Quest in mouse and keyboard. Oh, and see if we can beat it really easily. See if it's easier. That's, uh, I, I'm happy to do that. I'm curious what the controls are like. And like swords. How do you do swords? I know. Right? How do I you... know. Mm. There's got to be a, just a swing I like button. It. I bet it's, it won't be fun. It's a swing button. It's, it's not. It's not about fun. You made that point already. Yeah. It's about a competitive advantage. Yeah. And it's about letting people in. Like on one level, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. this company is not monetizing in any way, shape, or form yet. They want, everyone wants hats. Th- but they need more players in order to get there. Well, guess right? what? The hats are so much more powerful when it feels like you're actually wearing it. And you look in a mirror. <laughs> and you can preach, bob preach, your head around. Preach into the choir. Then, then it is if you're just moving keyboards. So, but what around. I'm saying is I understand Against Gravity's decision to let flat screeners in. Like, it makes business sense. Yeah. That's all it is. It's a business decision. It doesn't make business sense if it hurts the, the existing fan base and the existing community. Ah, so, a very compelling point, Norman Chan. So unless the content is strong enough that we can't resist it and we're going to be playing no matter what, right? how much will our fun be diminished? I just, yeah, I know they're being cautious about it. I know they're going to listen to the, they're very curious what people think. I, I also wonder how many flat screeners are actually going to enjoy rec. It's free. Room. It's free. Like the kids love free. Yeah, I get that. But it, I, I'm not sure how how much fun mm-hmm. that game, world is. It's just strange to me because I always thought of it as a built for the from ground up for VR exclusively, and now it is like letting flat screeners play VR. It's just it's just, it is strange. It is strange. Business decision. Um. Yeah. And uh, our final story uh, this week is that uh, well we'll go back to Magic Leap. Um, not only did we see a teardown last week from iFixit, from a headset that was uh, provided to them by uh, one Palmer Lucky. Uh, Palmer himself, uh, f- former Oculus founder, 
Marquez, still founder, but no longer at Oculus, uh, wrote his own review, uh, in-depth review of the Magic Leap, and he didn't like it. I very can't. Much. Yeah, uh, I couldn't tell that. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. that's right. No, the headline is Magic Leap is a tragic heap. Yeah. Right. Got it. Um, and and uh, from that, a little bit of a back and forth between Magic Leap CEO and and um, and him on 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 Twitter. Uh, some of the things that were pointed out, because uh, I won't go into the full details of, of that review, but some of the things that we didn't, uh, weren't able to test, uh, the very good points about the controller. Um, we knew it was a, uh, or it's heavily speculated, it was mm -hmm. magnetic coils, uh, but we're all right-handers here, and we didn't really get to, now that I think about it, didn't get to really use it in my left hand to see if the drift was any worse, because... The, uh, the coil was on the right side of the mm, headset. Right, yeah, I didn't consider that. Uh, and also interference potentially from uh, steel sources mm -hmm. being being in, in the room that you're using it in. Uh, um, no, but his his complaints about the, the tracking not being great on it, mm -hmm. I think he's comparing it to something like the Rift yeah. or any of the VR headsets right. where the, the tracking is one-to-one. -one. Like, it's great. It's exactly right. Whereas this is not. And uh, I don't think that any of the impl implementations that we saw uh, necessitated necessitate one-to-one yeah. -one perfect tracking. Yeah. yeah, you know, so maybe that that is more of a limiting factor if you're making something that requires that kind of precision. Yep, yep. I mean, and then the big fear for him is that this does not uh, inspire him, uh, inspire any confidence uh, for developers to get into this because as a developer kit. Uh, you want to get as many of these uh, in the hands of developers so that they'll start making content, experimenting with content. Mm -hmm. And based on his speculation and some back-of-the-napkin math that he did, uh, there aren't that many of these out there. And uh, he knows a ton of people who have them who have no intention mm -hmm. of actually developing with them, which doesn't bode well They're for They're just enthusiasts. The exactly. Yeah. They just want to try something new. I feel like he was like the, the majority of the um, uh, negative tone of the review was coming from responding to the hype, to mm. the promises that were made, and, 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 and having the device fall short of that, which, which was, by and large, like, that was prevalent. Like, when it came out, a lot of people responded that way, mm -hmm. whereas I responded to it more of, like, uh, okay, well, compared to the HoloLens, it's cheaper and better. Like, it is the best available thing. Right. But his point is, like, as an in industry insider, is that the, all that hype, all those promises sucked all of the what he, money, like money and air out of AR, out of the AR space, and yeah. these guys took that over and didn't deliver. I think there's still plenty of money and plenty of hype to be had. Mm -hmm. Once Apple drops their headset, if they make a headset, people will just be excited, just as excited. I think it's tough to start, and even with all the funding they had. Um, to start from scratch with not a name that's not recognized. Without any hype, they would have just fallen through the cracks. Mm. You had to have the hype to compete with a Microsoft or an Apple or a Google. You got to take their money, too. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's, he's definitely, I, I, I feel him there. I do feel that I wish that, they're, that they had made either made good on it or just been, like, been more of a constructive member of the community. I think we're definitely in that trough of disillusionment. Right now, <laughs> in the hype cycle. Everyone talks about that. Like with VR, everyone's talking about how there was this great hype machine, and now it's all died down. No. No. I think VR passed the hump of, getting de of, of needing to get developers excited, and developers are excited. Yeah. And all it is is the tech hurdle of cost and, uh, and, and performance. So is that the thing, Uncanny Valley, and then the trough of disappointment? <laughs> no, 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 no. The, that's the other place? No. It's, you know, there's that hype curve. Right? There's the innovation trigger that yeah. gets all the money. 
than the peak of inflated expectations. Not out of Silicon Valley. It's like this is a thing. Oh, it is out of Silicon Valley, but the real Silicon Valley, not the TV show. Uh, then the trough of disillusionment, then the slope of enlightenment, and the plateau of productivity. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I'm constantly. I've never been disillusioned by VR. No, I, we're we're in the slope of enlightenment. I, but I've never <laughs> gone through this disillusionment phase. Like I, I just, I'm super excited for Santa Cruz, whatever it's going to be called. That's yeah. right around the corner. Yeah. Then Rift Two, that's going to be amazing. Yes. Like, we are in a very exciting time for VR. It is. And everyone who got disillusioned, they were eating, drinking the wrong Kool Aid. Mm. You'll find our brand of Kool Aid every week. <laughs> um, this is only a test in the VR minute, and that does it for this week's episode. Kishore, have a great time. At Dragon Con, regale us of your stories next week, uh, and uh, let us know out there whether where, where in the phase, the hype cycle you are for all, whatever tech you're using. Uh, Jeremy, we have an outro this week from Ozmuzzo. Hi there, I didn't see you. That's it. There are people saying, is this the best pinball game ever made? And what's the answer to that question? It could be. It You're could selling be. this TV on the radio. That is uh, Iron Maiden, in case you're curious. <laughs> and I played it, and it was pretty good. It's good. <laughs>